Good afternoon, everyone. Children, you are dismissed to your Sunday school classrooms along with their Sunday school teachers. Sunday school teachers, thank you very much for your faithfulness and willingness to continue to be used by the Lord for his new church or his future church. Future church. Um, so, can you give me that bag? The bag. Please turn your Bibles over to James. James, the book of James. Um, again, I highly encourage you to bring your Bible uh, to church so that at least you can dust it off on Sundays, you know, get familiarized back with it and where the books are. The book of James um, is in the New Testament. It's after Hebrews. Now, we really need to get familiarized with our Bible because uh, if you're relying so much on your phone and the websites, um, never know when AI maybe takes that down because AI becomes an atheist and he says there's no need for God. He erases the website, then what are you going to do, right? Where are you going to turn? Where are the Bibles? Where are the books? All right, so I took a break last Sunday. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Will, for giving me that break. Um, and we, today we begin a new series. I know our last series was about uh, topical stuff. The last book we studied was actually the book of Ephesians. Now we will be studying the book of James. A book of James. And I entitled our message tonight, Changed from Within. This is the first part of our sermon series, Radical Change. Now, I want to begin this message. Um, I know you're on the book of James now, right? Everybody there? Say amen. Okay, let me re begin reading. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing all of us with your sovereign hand, bringing us all safe and sound in this building of yours that you provided for us. We ask now, Father God, as you prepared our hearts with the songs, we ask now, Lord, that you open our minds for your message and open our hearts by your Holy Spirit as you speak to us, Lord God. As your people may hear my voice, I pray that they will hear you speak to their souls, Lord God. Guide us, Father, and be pleased with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. So uh, I have, I don't do props usually, so I'm not very good at it. So this is uh, the, this one. So Anna, I think she's here or she's teaching. Anna decided to buy a new toothpaste at our house. And uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, okay, so those of you can see it. So I, I, I'm intentionally not showing you the labels. But look at the containers of these things. 6 o'clock in the morning with your one eye open, all of them looks the same. Do you agree? Okay, so one of them is a face wash. The other one is a sunscreen. And the other one is a toothpaste, believe it or not. So I grew up in the Philippines with toothpaste. Is that old tube, right? So for the past few days, I've been using the face wash, the toothpaste, and the sunscreen. Unfortunately for me, there was one morning that I, put, I placed the face wash, this is it, and my toothbrush. And then I put the toothpaste as my face wash. <laughs> Needless to say, your pastor is a slow learner. <laughs> Middle of the toothbrush, I'm like, this tastes funny. I have to talk to Anna about this flavor. This tastes like a face wash. And then when I start putting the face, I'm like, wow, this is kind of minty. You know? What is this? The point of the illustration is, you have to read. No, you have to learn how to read. No, the, the point of the illustration is, though the things that you need might be there, if you're not paying attention, you still might use it improperly. Do you agree? Yes. So though you have your Bibles at your house, but you are not reading them, then it's no point. There's no point, right? Now, how about... Um, how about Bong? Bong and Andres, they started hanging out. Bong became a pastor. And Andres too. Andres became a pastor. But they both bought churches. They had churches right across each other. So they decided one morning they had a sign. Bong had a sign. The end is coming near. The end is near. And that's Bong holding that sign. The end is near. Turn, turn around, right? And then Andres has a sign saying, change your ways now or the end will come. So they both had those signs, right? And right there in the street by their churches. First driver goes by, the first driver rolls down his window, he goes, you both got, you guys get a job, get a real job. Passes. The next driver rolls down his window, and she goes, why are, you, uh, why are you forcing your religion on us? Mind your own business. And they both looked at each other, and then they heard screeching, brake screeching, tires, and in a splash, whoosh, whoosh. both cars went, and, the, and then Andres turns around to Bong, he goes, should we have just put the bridge is out? Should we just written the bridge is out? Should we change our signs? I killed that one. I butchered that one. 
The point is, sometimes, though you have the Bible, though you're reading it, but you're misinterpreting it, then it's not being used for God's purpose. It's still going to be for your detriment. This is why we do Bible studies. This is why we study the Bible. This is why we come to church and we learn together. Amen? So we read James. James 1.1. And it says there, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Now, the Bible has two main themes. And I know for those of you who are biblical Bible scholars here, you know this is pretty elementary, but there are two main themes of the Bible. Our way to God, which is our justification, and our walk with God, which is the sanctification. You are saved only by grace through Jesus Christ. And with that, that is your justification. One, that's one main theme of the Bible. And then the other theme is our walk with God. That is the vast majority of the Bible. And it instructs us to how, us how to allow Christ to give us an extreme or radical change from the inside out. So that our life is so radically changed that others are drawn to him because of our walk. Amen? Yes, because we're saved by grace, by believing in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that we get to continue to live our sinful ways. Amen? The book of James emphasizes on the sanctification part. That is why we're going to study it. James is considered the most practical book in the entire Bible. And is often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. Now this book is not a book of doctrine and not a book of churches. And churches have faced confusion and division when some, some have attempted to make this book as a doctrinal book. Jesus is only mentioned twice, and the cross and resurrection are never mentioned. Why? Because James is making an assumption that his readers know their biblical doctrine, and so he deals with them practically. Radical change from the inside out. Amen? So, all of us, I'm looking around, most of, most of you, most of us are, are Christians. And, and, and when we come to church, we come to church for our benefit. So when I prepare a message, I think of believers. And same with the book of, of, of James. It says there, brothers, my brethren, in verse 2. So this letter and this book that we're going to be studying, if you are a Christian, this is for you. And if you're not, you have to understand that this book will sound so religious because there's a lot of works involved. But really for us Christians, we are to study this so that we will know how to live. Knowing that our label is not deep clean, our label that we carry is Christian. Jesus Christ. 
Little Christ is, is our label. Amen? Okay. Six people. That's fine. Six is a good start. <laughs> now, again, the main theme, so the Bible has two themes, but the main theme of the book of James is if you believe like you say you do, then you need a radical change in order to behave like you should. Basically, if you call yourself Christians, then you should be living like one. That's the main theme of the book of James. So tonight is just an introductory to the book of James, and then the next few Sundays as we move along will be on the topics of each chapter. Now, you know that our world, the world is saying this, show me, not show me the money, but show me the radical change. Show me the benefits of being a Christian. You know that? That they may not say it, but your, your relatives, your friends, your co-workers that, are not, that don't belong to, to Jesus Christ and they know that you do, they are wanting to see what's the difference between you and I. What are the benefits of your Jesus Christ in your life that it, I should also too become a believer? The world is craving for that. The world is begging for that. Now there's two ways. Again, remember, there's two ways to share the gospel. One way is us, us saying it. Telling people that they are sinners, just like us before. Telling people that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And the other way is us living a Christian life. You can't make do without the other. You, have, you need both. Why? Because in Hebrews 12.1 it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Our sanctification, church, is proof that we are justified. You changing is the proof of you being saved. Amen? We believers do not change from the outside in. The outside in, that's called religion. You have to do something to gain something in return. Our faith is different. Our faith is we realize that we are sinners and we, re we realize that we need to repent from our sins. We need to turn away from that. And then we receive Jesus as our Lord because he already has given his life, shed his blood as payment for our sins. And then because of that, we are now new creation. Just like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. Amen? You know, we always hear it. Should we just close in prayer? Because we always hear it. It seems like a recycled message over and over again. But then the, mo the minute we walk out from the building... The moment that it becomes Monday, 7 o'clock, 
in the morning, right? After we prayed, we, we recited our prayer, we read our devotion, we were walking to our car, we hit, we stub our toe on the rock that our kids place there, and then the pagan comes out with our mouth, right? It shouldn't be like that. The Lord tells us, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Christians, praise God that we are saved by grace. But don't make a mistake that it's a license for us to continue to stay in our sinful ways. This is what we're going to continue to learn in this whole journey in the book of James. That there's a radical change that is necessary for any believer who has accepted Jesus, who claims Jesus as their Lord, a radical change in their lives must manifest. It must come out. It must show. They must hear it. They must see it. They must feel it. It just can't be words. You can't just be Christian by your title. In my set of keys, I have... Um, the fob key there for anytime fitness. It's that blue thing. If you belong to that gym, you know what I'm talking about. But the last time I was there was November of last year. <laughs> though I may be paying the membership fee, and though my name is in their roster, it doesn't necessarily mean that I am in shape as the gym would claim, would want me to be, as the purpose of the gym should be. It's the same with Christianity. Though you have Jesus as your Lord, as you carry it as your fob key, if you don't show the proof of your Christianity, people will wonder, is he or is she just paying the membership fee? Because he's totally or she's totally out of shape, out of spiritual shape. Now, who is James? Not James Worthy, but James, the Apostle James. James is a servant, a servant of God. We read that earlier. Now, there are at least five different men by the name of James in the Bible. This James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. You will, if you turn to Matthew, Matthew, go ahead and turn to Matthew 13, verse 53 to 57. It reads, when Jesus, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved, from, moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Or did, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? They took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Now according to Jewish custom in the listing of the children, James was the number two son. 
born after Jesus to Mary and Joseph. Okay? Now, question. How many older brothers and sisters do we have in this room today? With a show of hands. The eldest twin, okay? Now, it's bad enough to have an older brother or sister who your parents think is perfect, right? Now, poor James. <laughs> poor James really had, he did have a perfect brother. Remember, imagine you being James. Imagine you being James. So I'm the eldest uh, between me and my brother JP. But JP was getting all the good grades. So during when we turn in our report cards, my goodness, I hated it when it's being reviewed by mom, by my mom. She goes, look at, look at your brother. Look at, he did it really good in, in math. And I go, oh yeah, because I taught him that. <laughs> but imagine Jesus as being your brother. Jesus never got in trouble. Jesus did all his chores. Jesus was obedient. And imagine the line, why can't you be like your brother Jesus? There's no way. That's a frustrating thing. And then he hears, and then the next news, next news, 30 years later, what did Jesus say? I am the Messiah. What, what do you think James's reaction was? Great, another thing. Wow, of course you are, right? Imagine, imagine being James in this situation. He gets all the toys. Jesus got all the toys, but he never really asked for it. He never complained. Imagine. He always cleans the ring out of the bathtub. Always throws the trash out. Takes the garbage out on trash days. No complaints from the parents. Now, if you were the younger brother of Jesus or sister, you are going to have some serious jealousy problems. Do we agree? Along with envy and anger. So when that age Jesus, again, when Jesus announced that he was the Messiah, James said, what else is new? You're perfect. Mark 3, 20 to 21, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, this includes James, he, referring to Jesus, is out of his mind. James and his other siblings did not believe that Jesus is who he says he was, right? His own family saying that he, Jesus, it was insane. Now, for further insult and proof that James rejected the claims of Jesus prior to the resurrection, you need to look further now to John 7, 5. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now, if you, like me, are sharing the gospel to your siblings, you're sharing Jesus to them, and they are not believing you, you are in good company. Because Jesus himself had a hard time convincing his own family. But it doesn't mean we stop. Amen? We continue to pray. We lift it up. We continue to obey God. Amen? We continue to obey God because we believe God. Amen? So James's life with Jesus could be chronicled as follows. It's here. 
He was simply related as his brother. He had a spiritual confrontation with Jesus as Messiah. The cross and assumption, where am I? Okay, the cross and assumption, James is still unbelieving. And then in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 5.7, it reads, When Jesus appears to James after the resurrection, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then when James becomes the leader of the church of Jerusalem, right? That's his chronicle. That's, that's his next step. Then he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem and the second most influential leader of the early church. And then James was martyred when thrown from the temple and stoned to death in 62 AD. He prays for the forgiveness of his attackers. See, imagine that last part there. He was thrown out, and then they probably they, they saw that he wasn't dead yet. Then they stoned him to death. But then he said he did the same thing as Jesus did. He prayed for his attackers. Some of us, when we're sharing the gospel, we get so frustrated that we say, All right, fine, you can just go to hell. Right? Unfortunately. Because we get frustrated. We want others to be saved. We care about them so much. We love them so much that they bring us and they, they challenge us to, to our frustration. And then because we get so angry, we say, fine, you know what? If you want to go to hell, it's on you. Well, we have to be like Jesus and James here. We're just like Stephen, forgiving their persecutors, forgiving their attackers, and saying, Lord, don't let this sin, don't take this sin against them. Now the key important point, the key point is, important, it's important to remember that for most of his life, James was an unbeliever. It's not over yet for your brother or your sister who still hasn't accepted. It's not over yet until their life is done. Why is this important? Because you can live in a godly home. Now I need everybody to be listening here. You can live in a godly home and you can live with godly parents. You can have godly Christian brothers and sisters. You can have every opportunity just like James to observe and see the difference Christ makes, but until your faith, you, until you by faith accept the grace of God and trust Christ, you will be just as James, living your entire life rejecting and believing. Not because you hang out in the garage that makes you a car, right? That just could that could just mean you're working on your carpentry. It could be cleaning your shoes. But it doesn't mean you're a car. Is the same. Not because you're here at church, it doesn't make you a Christian. Not because you belong to a Christian family, it doesn't make you a Christian. So it gives all of us, us, the mature believers, I want your ears too. This is necessary for you to understand, for you to understand that you need this urgency to actually really diagnose your relatives, your loved ones your children, your parents, not because they're coming along with you at church. It doesn't mean that they believe. It could just mean they had nothing to do at the house 
and or they had no choice or because you'll ground them for the children or you won't give the remote control back to your husband it could just mean that so as we go study go along this the book of james we will see that the things that we need to do as believers amen now the book of james is 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 really going to be meaty there's a lot of of convicting messages in there now we as a church we try to cater as a, the, the food we try to serve the food as God serves it as God made it I serve what God has put in here now however your condition is wherever your condition is in your Christian in your spiritual life God will be the one to make you receive that but we as the church don't necessarily always serve the spiritual milk to the, the spiritual children, the, the spiritual infants. Most of the time as Christians, we, as a church, we have to serve spiritual meat, the spiritual food. It has to be meaty to serve the mature. Because if we will always go with our spiritual, the, the children in our spiritual life, it's the same as in our family. If we will have our children dictate what we are to eat, guess what you're going to be eating every morning? You know, you're talking to your eight-year-old son. You say, hey, buddy, what do, you, what do you want to eat for breakfast? Ice cream and chocolate. And let's say you say, oh, yeah, okay, I want to be a good dad this morning. I'll give him ice cream and chocolate. And then lunch comes and you go, how about, how about now? What do you want to eat now? Ice cream and chocolate. And you go along with this until dinner. And let's say you went along with this for like a, a month. I'll be surprised if you're going to be healthy after that month. You both, you and I both know, all of us know, that if we go with that, we will be unhealthy. Because it's the same thing with our spiritual life. When we study the Word of God, we go through meat as much as we go through spiritual milk. And us Christians, we have to know both so that we know what to serve and we have to be discerning on where their spiritual levels are as well. So that we know what to give them. And then little by little, we give them as they mature in order for them to grow. When my children were growing up, there was a healthy serving of, of vegetables, protein, vegetable every now and then, then protein, right? Maybe, I don't, know, I don't remember, it's been a while. <laughs> no, but, it, right, there's a healthy balance. And it's the same thing here. Now, the radical change message. So again, this is our series, The Radical Change in the book of James. Again, if you look at there, he says, James, how come he didn't say James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ? That would have been a good name drop, right? Right? Now, because, look at this. James is the first book written in the New Testament. It is also one of the most unique books in the New Testament. Notice of all that James refers to himself as servant of God of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't mention that he is the brother of Jesus. Why? Because pride and name dropping 
would be one of the sins that James confronts. Now, think about it. If you name drop Jesus, the Messiah, the risen Christ as your brother, imagine, imagine the props like, oh man, I should really listen to this. This is the brother of Jesus Christ. But no, he didn't do that. It is one of the areas in which he will allow God, James, will allow God's word to give himself and us a radical change. One of the topics that James will tackle is the pride in every person. The importance to be humble, to remove the, the, the bragging, but to be humble as Christ is humble. James will tell us over and over again in, in his book to become like Christ. Amen? Again, in this church, we to know Christ, to become like him. Become like him. And then as we become like him, we cannot help but to make him known. If you are not letting Jesus Christ known, if you are not sharing Jesus with your words, if you are not sharing Jesus with your life, because you don't really know Christ yet. And if you don't know Christ yet, you don't want to become like Christ. It reminds me of the story when Bong became a doctor. Bong became a doctor. And in his, in his uh, sheet there, in his welcome package, he says there, if you are not healed, I will pay you $1,000. But if I heal you of your symptoms, you will give me $500. That was the condition. That was like a, a, an engagement for his clients. So a guy goes in there and goes, Dr. Bong, is that right? If you don't get to heal my, my, my symptoms, you give me a thousand? And then if, if you heal me, I give you, I give you 500? Bong, Dr. Bong goes, yes, it's true. So this guy goes, ah, oh, you know what? I'm actually really, I lost my taste, my sense of taste. Can you help me with my sense of, to get my sense of taste back? Bong goes, oh, that's easy something in a cup, gives it to the patient, patient drinks, he goes, oh, this is laundry soap. He goes, oh, hey, you got your taste backs, taste bud back, give me, give me $500. So the guy goes, I'm coming back tomorrow. Dr. Bong, coming back tomorrow. Patient comes back the next day and he goes, Doc Bong, uh, I have a new symptom. Oh, what's your new symptom? You know, my memory fails me now. Yeah, yeah, my memory fails now. I, I can't remember certain things. Oh, that's easy. Here, pulls out this from the same bottle of drink. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's the laundry soap you gave me yesterday. Oh, you're healed. Give me back, give me 500. And he goes, you know what? I'm coming back tomorrow. Patient comes back the third day. And he goes, all right, Doc Bong. Um, my vision, my eyesight, it's failing. I need your help with my vision. Doc Bong goes, oh, okay, you know, I don't have any, I, I have no cure for that. Here's $1,000. And he gives him the money. The guy goes, oh, you only gave me 100 He goes, oh, your vision's back. You <laughs> <laughs> have 500 We are too. What was my point with that? The point is that, right? Sometimes we already have the answer, but we keep repeating and doubting we keep doubting and repeating 
We're trying to look for flaws. We're trying to look for loopholes. The Bible says, do not yoke with unbelievers. And what do we say? Is that what God, did God really say? Remember, that's the first lie of the enemy. And that's the lie that the enemy continues to do. It was so effective then, it's still so effective now. Right? From the beginning of time until now, the enemy continues to make us doubt. Did God really say? And then the other thing that he makes us doubt, is God really after your own good? Is God really telling you to stop living that, like that? Because he just wants you to live a boring life. That's what it is. That's the lies of the enemy. Now, as we continue to learn, as we learn the book of, in the book of James, we're going to see that God wants us to have a radical change, a change from, the, from within. And the only way that that can come that will manifest as if we trust on who God is, that he is good, that he is powerful, that we are new creations created in Christ Jesus, that we actually have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in us. If we truly want to live a holy life, we can. We can. We just have to stop doubting. Stop doubting. It's here. This is God telling us over and over again that we are to be holy as He is holy, as God is holy. You see it there? That's in, in Leviticus, and that's in 1 Peter, that's in 1 Thessalonians. This radical change is available only to those who are living in a personal relationship with Christ because that type of radical change happens from the inside out without a personal relationship with Christ it's only a behavioral change and the be any behavioral change without a change from within is temporary and it's religious and if it's religious it's actually proud oh look at me look at me look how good I am look how nice of a person I am now look how much I gave Look how much I'm giving. Look how much I'm doing. A change from the inside out doesn't even need the spotlight to himself or herself. A change from the inside out will say, not I, but Christ. Not for my glory, but his glory. Let him increase as I decrease. Now who... Who are the people that James is writing to this book? I already said it earlier, right? It's primarily for the Christian Jews, when he wrote it, who were suffering uh, great persecution. They had been scattered and were living under the rule of Claudius. They had been dispersed by political persecution and religious persecu persecution from the Jews. Their life was one of the one of great suffering and misery. James will remind us that suffering has a purifying and cleansing power. But he also knows that constant suffering has the power to crush and destroy. The Christians were suffering, were so suffering that they were attempting to compromise their life in order to avoid further pain. James says, we need to surpass the eye test and be radically changed from the inside out. Because what was happening before is if 
they, the, the Christians then, if they do not renounce Christianity, they will be either burned in the, in, 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 in the stadium, in front of millions of people, they will be cut open, and they will be burned alive. And if that didn't happen to them, if they owned businesses and they were Christians, they were boycotted. They're, they're saying, don't, don't sponsor, don't, don't patronize these guys. Don't buy from them. And if you were looking for employment and they found out you were a Christian, they will not hire you. That's what was happening during this time when James wrote this book. So the easy out, the easy out was to renounce Christ. The easy out was to say, I'm not a Christian. Similar to these days, right? Somehow. If you go along with the flow of the culture, the society, you'll be, you won't be persecuted. You'll be one of the many people that are laughing at Christians. There's new radical changes now. There's many genders. There's new way of living. There's a, a happy way to live. Happiness is to serve you. Do I serve God? Why follow what the Bible has written down? Just, just serve yourself. Be happy. Right? All these lies. But during this time, James was, James was telling them. James was telling them through the letter, and James is telling us now that we are to surpass any eye test. Don't just have the label. Use it properly. If it's a face wash, don't put it in your toothbrush. Right? You have to do, if, you are, if you're calling yourself a Christian, you are to live like Christ. Now in Romans 12, 1 to 2, it reads, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing and perfect will. There's, there's a lot of need for us to truly understand the Word of God. As we understand it, we are to accept it and receive it. Because if the mo that's the only way. Because as we go through the trials in our lives, and we, we'll tackle that next time, trials are not necessarily, not necessarily bad things for us. Although they're difficult, the myth that only bad people go through trials, we're going to tackle that. James will discuss that for us. Trials at times is to strengthen our faith, to remember who God is, to rely on Him more than we rely on our bank accounts, to rely on God more than we rely on our health. To, to fall in love with the Lord more than falling in love with our loved ones who will constantly fail us, just like we will fail them. Trials are not necessarily a bad thing. We will learn that. Now here's a summary of the spiritual surgical procedures that we will share in this Radical Change uh, series. So chapter one, uh, a painful beginning. Radical change requires a crisis. Right? Now, you have to put pressure on the container 
for the ingredients or for, for the stuff to come out. Amen? You just don't do this and then uh, put it on the thing. Right? You have to put, you have to press on it. It's the same thing with our faith. Our faith, sometimes we're going to be pressed on. We're, our life is going to be pressed on so that the, the, what's inside us will come out. Now, if we truly trust in Christ, as the pressure of life comes to us, then it will, whatever comes out is the proof of our faith in Jesus or the lack of our faith in Jesus. When God takes away the thing that we're actually holding on to rather than Him, it will show when the pressure of life comes. Chapter 2, testing your radical change. Does your walk match your talk? And chapter 3 and 4 is tongue implants. Imagine. <laughs> There's all sorts of implants. But I think most of us, we need a tongue implant. So that our speech will change. Because sometimes we still speak the same way we used to as we were unbelievers. We still are harsh with our words. We still are abrupt with our actions. We still don't have, we still have the old way to communicate. We're very hurtful rather than being loving. And then chapter 5, we'll be managing your radical change. Managing your radical change in the most grueling or trying times. Because some of us, we believed or we heard from somebody that they said, when you become a Christian, life will be easy. Life will be a bed of roses. Once you accept Christ, everything will be happy and you live happily ever after. And then other things, other things happen and you're like, dude, I'm done with this Christianity. I just lost my job because I had to be at church last Sunday because they were pressuring me. My relationship started failing because I had to stop dating him because he wasn't a Christian. Now I'm unhappy. I have to let go of my business because we were doing something that's not according to what God wants, so I had to let it go. So now my profits went from 60% to like 25%. I had to change my ways. I'm done with this Christianity. We're going to find out how we're going to manage that radical change. Amen? That's our, that's our message for tonight. Thank you very much for your patience and your, um, <laughs> you praying for me. Because <laughs> I know most of you were praying. And some of you were, you know, you took the, the it's okay. I, I, I want to say that the Bible means it. As the music team make their way up here, the Bible says that uh, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and tired, right? And I will give you rest. Some of you, when you come to church, that's when you do have to get your rest. And that's okay. That's the holy rest. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message for us. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for the truth, for the benefit, the benefits of being with you, Father God. The lessons that you have through the book of James. And you've given to us and saved for us all these centuries, Lord God. We pray for your people, Lord God. I pray that your Holy Spirit in them will give them will quicken their spirits. Will quicken them to live for you. Will quicken them to speak like you. 
and will quicken them to speak about you and live for you. Guide us, Father. Protect us. Protect all the families that are here. Protect them from the attacks of the enemy, Lord God. Do not let his plans prevail against your saints, Lord God. I pray for the blessings of the work of their hands, Lord. Make them prosper, Father God, in all their, in everything that they do. And Father, may you use them for your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.